Hello, Brain Allies. You're listening to Brains Out Loud, where we talk about important topics surrounding mental health, from our personal life to our work life and everywhere in between. Our goal is that through these conversations, we can help others prioritize mental health on an equivalent level to physical health. This is your co-host, Juliette speaking, and today we are here with passionate mental health advocate, Jasmine Francis. I want to preface this conversation with a trigger warning for our listeners, as we will be discussing the topic of suicide, including self-harm in this episode, Jasmine, it is an honor to have you here today to share your story and your insight on the mental health crisis and your experiences. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And Juliet, you know, I think so much of you. So this is an honor. Thank you so much. So Jasmine, you are someone who has been directly impacted by mental health in some pretty severe ways. And I'm curious, at what point in your life do you believe you started to notice that maybe something wasn't right with the way that you were feeling and that you were maybe struggling with a mental health issue, whether you recognized it at not, what was that the beginning of that mental health journey for you? Yeah. So my mental health journey actually started, um, back in high school and, you know, I was so in love with this boyfriend and, um, you know, I, I, at the time didn't have a a great relationship with my mom. And so, um, I, there were times where I was struggling big time. And at the time, my boyfriend was like, you're crazy. I can't be with you. I don't want to be involved with you. You're embarrassing. He was a star football player of our, of our high school. Um, and that sent me into a spiral. And I would say what it looked like for me was getting out of bed, very, very difficult to do, very emotional, crying all the time. And I remember that there were certain times where in the morning I would look to pick out my outfit and I was so overwhelmed by picking out an outfit that I would sit on the floor in front of my closet and just cry. And I think that that was the first taste of something's not right. I feel like there's something bigger than me and I can't control this. Okay. Did you have any understanding of what you were going through though? Like, did you think you, you realized something's not right, but did you think maybe it's depression? Maybe it's anxiety. Do you have any kind of formal background on what it could be? No, I didn't actually. I mean, this was way back when and mental health wasn't prioritized. I think in society, it wasn't, we're still, I would say, even now working towards normalizing it. But even back then, like it was so taboo, um, especially in the the black community. And so there was nothing for me to go off of. I just knew that it didn't feel good. Um, And it wasn't until I later saw a psychiatrist after being in a mental health hospital, that I was officially diagnosed with depression and I was put on medication. And then that's when I started to realize, okay, that there's a name to this, which is great. But then the other side of it is like, oh, this is, this is real. Um, And so from there, I kind of just wanted to do a little bit more research. At the time I was actually put on Zoloft and that was around the time where they started realizing that Zoloft could potentially harm you more than help you. This was, like I said, way back when. Um, And and that was, like I said, when I realized that, okay, maybe I have some mental health challenges. Yeah, so it's such a long journey to getting to that point. And it's interesting because my mental health journey was similar in the way that like, 
as far back as I can remember, I can remember having symptoms of OCD. As far back as I can remember, I can remember having symptoms of anxiety. And as I got older and went through high school and things like, you know, I was in a toxic relationship in high school as well. And, you, and these things that are are natural part of growing up, but they can impact us so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we don't have the tools or an understanding of how to handle them, that's when they escalate. But I remember anxiety being so bad and depression being so difficult, but it wasn't until I got to college and my RA forced me to go to my counseling center and they were like, you have anxiety. And I was like, wow, there is a name, a name to this. Mm-hmm. And the diagnosis aspect of things is interesting. So I'm, I'm interested to kind of hear like, how did you feel about getting a diagnosis of some sort or being put on medication and realizing you know, this is a real thing. Did you feel like it was scary? Was it comforting? Was it something you felt comfortable talking to others about? What was that like? That's a really, that's a really good question. I would say at the time it was a check the box. I don't think that I was actually present in that time. It was more of these are the things that you have to do in order to try to get back to your normal life, in order to try to get back into that toxic relationship, in order to try to get back to these things that really aren't good for you. So I wasn't really taking it seriously um, from the perspective of this is what my diagnosis is and this is what it may mean for me. This is me. This is how I may look at things differently. It wasn't until I would say I became an adult over the last, I would say five years or so that I realized let me preface by saying I was an adult before five years ago, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it wasn't until about five years ago um, within that time frame that I am just now truly processing and understanding what that means and, and differentiating the diagnosis from the symptoms and then the symptoms from how it looks for me and what I need to do to be proactive about managing it. Okay, that makes sense. And I liked the way that, I liked the picture that you drew earlier of you sitting on the floor in front of your closet and crying. And it's weird to say I like it, but I I think that it really paints a good picture of what depression can do to you and what mental health can do to you. And, you know, eventually, I just know from our previous conversations, things progressed for you and, and got continuously difficult. And you ended up having an attempt to take your own life. And I'm one of many, many people that's very, very grateful that you survived and and made it through that time. But I want to ask you not only about that experience and how it impacted you, but I think when people think about suicide, whether it was an attempt or whether it was quote unquote successful, someone went through and, and did lose their life they think of it as, as like a one point thing, right? Like you decide that you're gonna take your life and you go through with it. And I want to know to you, what, what is it to be suicidal? Like, what is the process? How does it start? Where do you go? How do you get from being depressed to being like, I am at a point where I can't do this anymore. And then making that decision. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it looks different for everybody, but I can definitely share a little bit about what it looked like for me. Um, you know, fast forward from what we were previously talking about being in high school to now I'm an adult, I have a career. Um, I've always taken my career really seriously and have 
put really high expectations and goals on myself. Um, and throughout, you know, my career, I've taken on more responsibilities, um, not only from a work perspective, but also, you know, just being that friend that everyone can rely on, being the planner and, and taking on all these responsibilities that I felt as though I didn't even have a choice in determining whether I wanted to do them or not. And so um, I started at, at, I would say, I really started to understand that something was a little off um, escalating to the attempt when I started to feel really overwhelmed. Um, and instead of listening to that voice to hear myself say, I'm overwhelmed, maybe I should be proactive and let someone know, I instead looked at it as a challenge and said, well, I've been through worse so I can get through this. And as time continued to go, I eventually started to feel like I do need to share with someone that I'm struggling a bit. Um, and I did, I started reaching out to a couple of people and the responses were, well, you've always been strong. You've always been able to handle everything. I wanna be like you, you've been through worse. And so that to me, I digested that as feeling as though my own personal thoughts were being reinforced by those who love me. So if I'm thinking, well, I should be able to handle this and I'm hearing them say it, then I feel like, yeah, I should be able to handle this. And then from that point, I knew that I couldn't talk to anybody else about it. Um, and to be honest with you, the moment by which I had made that decision, it, it literally was a moment in time. And it was something that I had never seriously thought about until one you know, Sunday afternoon, I realized that I needed to do some work ahead of the Monday morning. And it just dawned on me in a millisecond, Jasmine, no, you don't. If you take your life, then you don't have to worry about anything. And then no one will ever know that you were suffering because you take that with you. And yeah. so hindsight being 2020, I realized looking back how attached I was to my image and how important it was that I remained uh, perceived as being strong um, and how I was willing to not be here and take that with me, which is so powerful. Um, and so it was something that happened very quickly. And thank you very much. I'm very grateful to be alive. But I will say this, I never anticipated or planned for what life would look like if I did survive. And that has been the rudest awakening for me that I, some days I'm okay with and other days I really struggle because no one talks about what the aftermath is, the fact that your secret is out, the fact that everyone now knows where you were, what you did, people have, you know, their, their trust changes with you, their perception changes of you. Um, and so that independence that I had before the attempt, um, it changed drastically where I couldn't be in the house by myself with Sharpies, meaning a knife, scissors. I couldn't have access to my own medic medication. I had to actually ask my husband to give me medication daily. Um, I no longer, you know, drink alcohol. So my life has just drastically changed. And I think just kind of feeling comfortable and, and standing in that confidently and knowing that it's more preventative for safety versus me being in a, enable or me being unable to control myself has, has been important in this journey. Thank you so much for sharing that because I know it's a difficult topic to talk about and it's been a difficult journey, of course, but I really appreciate you sharing your experience and also 
one, I want to go back and, and stop on something that you shared, which was that the idea of dying with the secret of being overwhelmed, the secret of feeling like you couldn't handle what you were going through was still important to you. And I think that says so much about stigma and so much about how we perceive individuals who are struggling with mental health issues. And we can say stigma over and over and over again, and the stigma stop the stigma prevents it. But like, it is so deeply rooted into society, into systems, into everything that we've learned in our upbringing that me as, you know, not only a mental health advocate, but someone who has dedicated their career to ending the stigma and spreading mental health education and speaking out. I am also nervous to talk about my mental health issues. I, as a founder, worry, okay, well, if I say that I'm struggling with depression, our investor is not going to trust me um, with their money. Our organization is not going to trust me um, to be, you know, to have them as my client. And I think it's, it's so difficult to wrap your head around how you push out of that, out of that space. And I know you mentioned, like, you get to a certain point where you have to realize, okay, I have to ask for help for you. You have to lean on your husband. Um, that's, you know, something that's going to protect you and help you and help you strive. But like, how, how did you feel after you survived your attempt? What were the responses from your friends and family? And how have you gotten, gotten through that since? Thank you. Um, I, first of all, just appreciate you sharing um, the fact of like your vulnerability and being hesitant and share your and sharing your own struggles because like I get that and the perception is so real. Um, and sometimes by us being vulnerable and sharing like that part of us, our finances can be impacted, where we live can be impacted, our relationships can be impacted. So there's definitely a valid hesitation in figuring out like, is the risk worth it? By me showing up as my authentic self and sharing who I am, am I willing to potentially risk all of these things? And it should never be this or that, right? But like, it is kind of to your point, like the reality of, of what many of us deal with. Um, I, when I woke up um, in the hospital, I was in ICU, I was on life support. Um, and I was in really bad shape. There were no mirrors actually in the room. So I had no idea what I looked like and it hadn't really hit me um, what had happened because in my mind, that was a done deal. I never planned to wake up. And so just the shock and waking up, it took me a long time to even understand like, oh, I'm still here. Um, and it wasn't until my best, I'll never forget, my best friend had flown up from North Carolina and she was on her way back to have to go catch her flight. Um, and she burst out in tears and said, Jasmine, this was a real suicide attempt. You have to get help. And it was in that moment that I, I think I actually digested what had happened, um, which in some ways was, was positive because I was like, okay, I, this is an issue. Um, the other end of that is 
Now everyone knows. So if she knows that this was a suicide attempt, that means all my family that's here knows this was a suicide attempt. That means my job knows that something's wrong because it's a weekday and I'm not at work. I'm exposed. And how am I going to deal with this? And how am I going to remain that trustworthy person that people want to look up to and have, have all of these accolades um, with them also knowing that I try to you know, commit suicide. And so the journey has been real. Um, it's been a lot of therapy, a lot of, um, you know, we had spoken about medication earlier. Um, it is learning how to deal with coping mechanisms um, to help me just get through the day to day. Um, I spent some time in Pennsylvania at a recovery center. I was living there for a month. I have done lots of intensive outpatient um, and partial hospitalization programs. It has been a lot. And even to this day, I'm still working on things and, and learning how to be gracious with myself. Um, and, and I've tried to pivot my view by saying, you know what, being perfect or being um, viewed as a certain way is less about what you do. And it's more about who you are and how you show up. And I need to learn to be comfortable with who I am and mental health challenges. It's a part of who I am. It's probably gonna be a part of who I am to the, to the, for my whole life. And so how do I show up and advocate being human in my job, which is HR and my friendships? This is a part of me. Um, and, and there's nothing that I ask of you but to support me with it. However, I'm human and um, it's important that people understand that, that we are humans first and we all have things going on. And so my shift has definitely focused from wanting to be the best at everything to finding what gives me joy and detaching myself from the titles and detaching myself from the money and detaching myself from the perception of being these great things and focusing more on what do I need to do for myself? Um, although, you know, there's definitely times I still struggle with sharing certain things it is a part of who I am and I have learned to live in a co-space with it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, the difficulty of, of our, our identity um, or the difficulty to move past our identity, the identity that we've created for ourselves, the identity that we've associated with ourselves for so long and to accept it, a new fate to accept a new path in life to accept a, a new development of our sense of self is a very difficult process and i think in life especially right now i mean there's so much talk the pandemic the pandemic but really right now we hit this point as a world not only as a nation as a, a unified world that what was light is now day and, and everything is reversed and all of our understandings of societal norms are out the window. And we have had to readjust to everything and we haven't really stopped to think about what does this say about like, who am I now? Who am I now in this new reality? Who mm -hmm. am I now based off of the changes in work? You know, for some people going into the office was really important for them. It was part of their routine. It was really essential to their mental health. And they didn't realize how much it was going to impact them until they didn't have that anymore. And I think people have decided in quarantine, you know, when they've had a lot of time to think and be with themselves, like maybe, maybe I'm not in the right career path. Maybe I'm not in the right relationship. 
But that says a lot about our identity and that's a really hard bite to swallow. Um, and I think to, to remove ourselves from that and say, it's okay that everybody my whole life has seen me this way. Mm-hmm. And I've seen myself this way my whole life. And now I'm going to change here. And I just remember, I mean, in such a minimal capacity, but like my whole life, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And that's what I said I wanted to be. And I, you know, fought with my parents about not going pre-law and going to art school and like that was my whole identity was fashion week and clothes and art. And then like, I hit this breaking point where I was like, this is not what I meant to do anymore. And that was a huge identity crisis. And it really impacted my mental health and it really gave me anxiety and it made me feel depressed. And I think, you know, my experience, obviously different from yours, different from all the people that are going through this identity crisis right now or in the past, but I'm just, I'm really glad you drew light to it because accepting that we won't always be the same person and that as life changes, we have to adapt to those changes too is it's a really difficult journey, but I think it's so essential to our recovery and just like our ability to get through the day to day. Yes. Yes. You hit the nail on the head. It's, it's learning to be adaptable in your identity. Um, and Yes, you're 100% right. I mean, regardless of what it is, when we put this pressure on ourselves of this is what it's going to be, this is who I am, this is what it's going, my life is going to look like, we set ourselves up to feel as though we failed when life pivots itself in a way that we can never anticipate. And it's really less about us and it's more about the fact that life is out of our hands and we have to be very thoughtful and intentional about recognizing what we can and cannot control and that to make our lives easier it's best for us to figure out how can we remain open and flexible and adapt as needed it doesn't mean that we've lost you know our brand per se or people view us as different it means that I'm doing what I need to do to preserve who I am. Because if I stay in that rigid black and white area, I'm only going to hurt myself. I'm resisting myself um, for something therefore I can't control, which is life. Um, so I, I really appreciate you highlighting that because that is a really big one. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I think, and just something else you mentioned earlier, just I, I keep going back to this, but what you mentioned about like, these are the things that you need to to do to set yourself up for success. And, you know, whether it's leaning on your husband, whether it's leaning on friends and family, whether it's avoiding certain substances or certain uh, objects or areas, like this is, that's who we are. This is part of who I am now. And I think it's really easy for others outside looking in to project judgments or misconceptions, but that's because they couldn't ever see themselves you know, removing themselves from their sense of self. They could never see them, themselves mm-hmm. making such a big life change because it's scary and it's daunting and it takes work and it takes effort. And so just because people can't understand how much effort and, and um, self-reflection you need to do to get there doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. Um, so I just, that's something that I've really been learning lately is like, you can't control how others perceive you. And if the universe has your back, it has your back. And if you're doing everything that you need to do to end up where you need to be, then it's going to play out one way or another. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I say that and, and it's just, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to practice. And I think like 
depression and anxiety and mental illness and, and everything that it encloses and substance misuse and um, addiction and everything like it's an ongoing battle. It's there every single day, whether you are thriving and you're in, you know, in, in a place of coping with it constantly, or whether you're like at your rock bottom, it's still there and you still need to acknowledge it. And I know you mentioned earlier, you know, it's our initial response as friends and family to think, oh, the best thing that I can say is you, you're so strong. You can get through this. You've been through this before. But I think even though it can be helpful to say, you know, maybe instead of saying you've been through this before, or you're, or you're stronger than this, or you've been through worse, maybe say, you know, when you went through difficult times, what was use, you know, what helped you get through that? Yes. What was useful in the past that we can utilize again? Was there someone that you went to? Was there a hobby that you engaged in? There are just different ways to phrase things, but that's part of education and yeah. that's part of understanding. And when we don't initiate these, these processes, we don't, you know, we don't get there. So I think being able to say, it's okay that you feel really depressed today and you feel like today you just can't get out of bed. It's okay. Today, depression is kicking your ass and tomorrow, what can we do differently together? How can I support you? So it's just, I think it's such a process, but I'd love to hear from, from your side, like maybe like who, or you don't have to name names, but like who has been your support system? How have they been your support system? Or like, in what ways do you feel the most supported when you are struggling or the best supported? That is a really good question. Um, so, okay, so let's see here. I think um, your point about education is is so critical because similar to what we were talking about earlier um, with stigma is that there's definitely a stigma that if you have depression, if you have anxiety or some other type of mental illness, you look like this. And, and I'm speaking to that from a gender perspective, a race, ethnicity perspective, an age perspective, but then even from like a symptom perspective is that there's the stereotype that you are always going to be down, you don't show up to work, you can't function, you don't eat. And there's definitely a, an opportunity for learning and understanding that depression manifests itself in all different ways. And you can be super high functioning and be struggling with depression behind closed doors, just as much as you can feel as though, you know, I physically can't get out the bed and I am going to miss a couple of days of work. And so I think that th that I, I realized that I had an expectation of those in my network to support me in a way that they didn't understand how. And their assumption of what depression looked like was just that, like, oh, well, she's going to work. Oh, well, she's planning this thing. Oh, well, she, so it must not be that serious. And it is. And so I, you know, post, I, I guess like post attempt, um, th there were a couple of things that happened. My husband first contacted everyone in my network with a, a bullet point of things that, that I would like them to focus on as far as supporting me. So A, I'm not going to be drinking anymore. I need you to be aligned with the fact that when we, you know, do choose to hang out, I may not drink alcohol and that's okay. Please don't question me about it. B, she does have these diagnoses, all 15,000 of them, and it doesn't change who she is. She's still the same Jasmine. See, clearly everyone saw what happened. 
it's a lot deeper than what she may have let on. And so you, as part of her network, you really need to be proactive and not just taking her word for for it because she clearly will hide things. And so, you know, as I kind of came out of that space and started to reconnect with my network, there was a ton of embarrassment there. I was ashamed. I felt as though I had to justify and validate why I did what I did. Some of my friends didn't even know that I had even struggled with depression. So it almost was like I made my bed and now I have to lay in it. But then at the same time, it also was now that you all know, this is what I need of you to support me because I recognize that I had an expectation of you and you didn't have the tools or the education to even know where to begin. And so um, for me, you know, I, I really rely on my network to challenge me. Um, and I will say that I am infamous for, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I'm great. Oh, I'm fine. Usually I get that high pitch voice <laughs> and, and like, and many of my friends are like, mm -mm, that was really high pitch. You're not, I'm like, yes, I am. I um, and, so, and so like they, they're a little bit more intentional about picking up on cues. Um, if I don't return their phone calls in a couple of days, they'll contact my husband and say, Hey, just want to make sure Jasmine's okay. Versus maybe before it was, well, maybe she's just busy. Um, if, if they hear me and I am speaking more negative than positive in general, I'm a pretty upbeat person. Then they're like, okay, everything. Okay. And then they don't judge me when I say that I'm having a bad day. It's to your point, how can I support you? What do you need from me? And it's less about them telling me what to do and telling me how to feel and more about asking me, what can I do to make sure you feel supported? And I think also throughout this journey, I've lost a lot of friends. I mean, after that attempt happened, there are several people that I've not heard from since. Um, and even coming to terms with that and the grief of losing friendships because of this act was a lot. But now I realize those are people who are not ready to support me and that's okay. They probably do more harm than help. And I have to let those relationships go and then further embrace those people who are willing to stand up for me and support me and not judge me because there's, there's very few people in this world who know how to show up for people that they love, I'm learning. Um, and I embrace them and hug them and love them even harder than I did before. Oh, so well said, so well said. And, and so many things I wanna touch on. First of all, I think it's, I think it's amazing that your husband did that. I think it was a really good way to kind of set the stage. And I think after we go through mental health crises or while we're going through mental health crises or an event or whatever it is that happens, like sometimes it's a breaking point. Sometimes it's just a continuation of events, but saying like, hey, PSA, here's where I'm at right now. And like you said, here's how you can best support me. And please don't ask questions. And I'm telling you, this is how it is. Yeah. And if they can't deal with it, then they can't deal with that. And it is such a difficult process, I think when you start coming out about things, whether it be your mental health, whether it be your sexuality, whether it be like, no matter what it is in life, there are moments where we have to accept who we are and the people around us who had a previous understanding of us have to adapt to that. Mm. And if they can't adapt to that, then, then good riddance. And it's, but it's hard and it's hard and it's so much easier said than done. And I think for me, I definitely had some of those experiences in college when I was struggling the most with my mental health. Um, 
or you know, one of many times I was struggling with my mental health would probably be a better way to put it. And I had, you know, a very good friend of mine that really distanced, you know, themselves from me at the end of college after we'd been so close for four years. And I was kind of like, you know, what's going on and, and why have you distanced yourself from me? And they were, they were kind of like, well, you know, you always have so much going on. You're always like struggling with something. And I just feel like, you know, I could, you know, the way they phrased it was like, I feel like I could just, you know, it's never enough for you. But mm -hmm. I think what really it was is like, I don't know how to handle these types of situations. Mm -hmm. I, no one's ever taught me how to ha handle a situation. And it's great that you trust me and you feel like you've come to me for these things, but I don't know what to do. And I think some people will be like, so what do I do? Mm -hmm. And they'll do research, research or they'll ask. And some people are like, I can't handle this and I need to step away from it. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, accepting those realities is really, really difficult, but it's only beneficial down the line. And for me, I struggled with a lot of abandonment issues of like, well, if I lean on my friends then my friends aren't going to talk to me anymore, they're going to think that I'm the girl that always has, you know, anxiety or struggling with depression. It's always something. And I don't want to be the girl that it's always something. Mm -hmm. But I, I think at a certain point, it's like, if, if I'm being proactive, I'm going to go to therapy and utilize my coping mechanisms and do the things that I need to do every day to take care of myself, then I'm putting myself in the best position possible. And the people that are close to me and accept that and love me and support me unconditionally will, will adapt and will be great with that. And the people that can't, can't. So that was a long winded response, but basically I think it's amazing that you have come to terms with like, this is where I'm at. And these are the people that are going to support me unconditionally. And to those who can't, I mean, I get it. That was not long winded. Have you heard my responses to your questions? <laughs> um, no, I, yes, I'm right there with you completely. And, um, and like you said, I mean, it's harder um, uh, done than said. Um, and, and you know what, sometimes when I'm in those decision-making points, I ask myself, Jasmine, in, in me making this decision, is this decision going to be beneficial for them? Or is it going to be beneficial for me? Um, and that has helped me so much because when I'm making decisions for other people, that's when I start to downplay what's going on with me. Well, I don't want to be seen as this. Well, I don't want them to think that I can't get a promotion because of this. Well, they're going to think that I actually am not able to handle these things. Well, you know, and so I end up making decision to appease others Whereas I'm actually putting myself in a terrible situation and it's going to be me that has to deal with those consequences, not them. Um, and so it, it really has, it really has made me think a lot further about like, okay, Jasmine, I don't want to do this. It could be perceived this way. And to your point, Juliet, we can't control how people perceive us. But if I go this route, I know that I'll be okay. It'll sting losing friendships. It'll sting disappointing people, but I know that I'll have a life. I know that I'll be okay. And I know that I'll have hope to continue to move forward in the future versus I'm going to make this decision for someone else. They'll be happy, but wh what am I gaining from that? I'm depleting myself and I'm filling someone else's cup up and they're just taking it. And then I'm depleting myself. Who's going to turn back and fill me in? 
fill me up. No, no one. I have to fill myself up. And it's really no one else's responsibility to fill me up. But me, anything else that pours into me between, you know, my marriage, my friendships, my family is just the cherry on top. It's like the extra swirl and the whipped cream and the sprinkles. And, you know, maybe we'll go to Starbucks and get a little mint chocolate chip pieces. (laughs) But the onus is really on me to fill myself up. And I had to come to terms with that. Um, And that I'm going to end up having to make tough decisions and have challenges throughout the rest of my life. But that's the sacrifice sometimes in making sure that I'm okay. Because if I'm not okay, I can't be the wife. I can't be the sister, the friend, the da 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 Um, So it really ultimately benefits me and everyone around me when I prioritize myself first versus the opposite. Absolutely. I mean, you can't fill from an empty cup Mm. and, you know, self-care is not selfish. And it's like, it's easy to, it's easy to read on on a meme or a cute little agenda planner, but like you Mm -hmm. have to take that shit seriously. It's self-care, it's not selfish. And again, it's, it's all a ripple effect. So if I can't take care of myself now, then I can't take care of anybody else around me. I can't stay on top of my work at job, my work at my job. And then that's going to make me feel worse. It's just, it's, it's tumbling. So it's really a lot. And I do want to be conscious of your time. You've given us so much today and I'm, I'm so thankful of this. I have one last question for you before we end. And I know it's a little bit of a difficult question, but I want to know when you survived your suicide attempt, when you woke up from that and you were kind of in that moment of realization like shit this is not how I expected this to go did you feel a sense of relief did you feel more of a sense of panic like what was your thought about actually having survived that because I know you know a lot of people that have suicide attempts have multiple because that really is what they feel like they need to do at that point and so it's normal to wake up and feel like, okay, this is not what I wanted. And I think there's also the reverse, which is a lot of people think, thank God. So I'm curious, because there's no right answer, but what was your initial thought? A heavy question to end this, huh? I know. Let's see. Um, Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest. My, I think that the first thing I thought, and again, this is coming from the lens of, perception and how much I've always cared about it was shit people know my secret that was all that I could focus on and I knew from that moment on my life would never be the same because there was no one that knew not even my husband knew how much I was struggling the day of that attempt I kissed my husband. I was in a great mood. I was talking to my girlfriend, kiss him. He went to work. I was cooking. I was lovely. So not even him, he understood where I was mentally. And I knew now that people know I'm going to be treated differently. My life is going to change forever. But I will say this. I will say that um, throughout this journey, I am more and more grateful every single day and relieved that I lived because I have gotten to experience things that I would have never imagined. And in those moments, I always remind myself, if I wasn't here, I would have never got to experience this. And I am so grateful. I still don't know what I did to deserve to live because statistics would have said I wouldn't be here. And I deal with that every day and I question every day, but I am eternally grateful for the fact that I literally have another chance on life. And I do not take it for granted 
ever. And I know that not many people get this opportunity and I don't want to waste it. I want to stay grateful for it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I am. Thank you so much. I know that was a really heavy question to end with, but it's been on the back of my mind and I've been wanting to ask you it because really, I mean, you've just been so spectacular to, to have here today and to share your story. And you've been so honest and been so authentic. And I've learned a lot as I always do with our conversations, which is why I always love talking to you. And I'm so glad that our listeners will be able to listen to this, but thank you for sharing that. And I, I think it is like, it's a new perspective and it's a new journey. And yeah, maybe after something happens like that, maybe after you su survive a suicide attempt or you come out about your mental illness and you talk about it more, yeah, maybe people look at you differently, but it's part of a new journey. And it's all, it's all part of the, the universe's plan for whatever reason. I'm not saying that suicide necessarily is part of it, but the, the effect, the aftermath and the way that you deal with it is a learning experience. And it's, you have this gift of self-awareness and self-reflection that you would not have had most likely had you had not had such a shocking incident happen to you. So for you to now be able to be like, I can go through my life being self-aware. And sometimes being self-aware is hard and we can be critical of ourselves, but at least I can accept who I am and be comfortable with that. And at least I know the people around me who are in my life are comfortable with who I truly am. And I think that really is a gift. So I'm, I'm grateful that you shared that with us. And I'm so grateful that you've been here with us today. And I'm really excited to, to share your story because it's just, it's so amazing and you really inspire me. So thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much. Well, thanks to our Brains Out Loud listener. Have a good day, guys.